and welcome to yet another episode of the Back to the TARDIS podcast, the podcast where we take a look at every single episode of the 2005 revival of BBC's Doctor Who. I'm Jeff. I am Lucifer. And I'm Abby. And this week we are discussing series 10, episode 10, The Eaters of Light uh, by Rona Monroe. Um, this is notable uh, for being the only time a person who has written on Classic Who has uh, come over and written something for Modern Who. Huh. Uh, in this, yeah, in this case, um, Rona Monroe was the person who actually wrote the final episode of Classic Who, uh, Survival. Interesting. Um, and I, I think I I don't know if it's specifically because of the like classic experience or anything um but i will say that i think uh i think this episode is honestly kind of the last hurrah of just a decent normal doctor who episode that we get for a while god that's weird to think about but you're right absolutely there hasn't been a i mean I guess you could say that the end of season 10 was the last good episode of Doctor Who besides like Demons of Punjab. And yeah. <laughs> so yeah, this would be like the best standalone episode we've gotten in five years. <laughs> yeah. And like, it is just a decent, normal episode. It's not anything groundbreaking uh, at all, but it's still very solid. And I like, what it does it it feels like it manages to tackle a lot of ideas easily um and i think it managed like i feel like it you know it would be the kind of thing that people would complain about like oh uh, it's so woke or whatever but i think it i think we, we did that its... when we <laughs> when this came out <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, so, like, for example, like, it's it's really funny because now that I'm, I'm, I mean, I would have never been on the front of, like, oh, like, this is so historically inaccurate, SMH, uh, but uh, I am, now we're at the point where I'm at in my life now, I know enough to know, like, oh, yeah, no, that's actually probably right. In terms of, like, what the Roman attitude towards homosexuality was. Indeed. Like, in some in some ways, people caring is kind of a more recent thing. Um, uh, but, yeah, and I think it also manages to... It does a very good job of honestly portraying imperialism in a very quiet way because while the the roman the the representatives for the romans that are present aren't emperors they are people who are just as much victims of of imperialism and colonization as as the celts are yeah they're just they already assimilated point. Yeah, they make or not like explicitly, but the fact that it's diverse, like obviously there weren't Africans living or there were Africans living in Rome, but they weren't ancestrally from Rome. And so it's sort of 
yeah. integrated diasporas of, of populations who have already been yeah. conquered by the Romans, presumably North yeah, African. And, mm-hmm. and I didn't remember, like, how... I didn't really remember that part at all, and I, I think that, honestly, would be, like, my big standout thing that I noticed from this episode was just how solid that was and how it surprised me because I didn't remember that part at all but it's it's really really thoughtfully well done have we had a standalone quote-unquote episode this series that hasn't had some theming in the way of unequal power power imbalances how that affects people yeah no i don't think there has been exactly except for except well knock knock (laughs) <laughs> well, no, Landlords. because there's a housing crisis angle to that. Yeah. Landlords, yeah. So You're right. that, again, just there is that level of appreciation and care and detail into putting in something that, yes, in the grand scheme of things, is this an attempt at a monk's trilogy? No. Is this an oxygen? No. Uh, it's just an adventure. But there's still meaning you can glean from there. It's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think, I think, I don't, I don't think series 10 quite has the same level of just like, oh, wow, as something like series four does. But I think it's incredibly consistent. Like, I don't, I think, well, I guess the Monks trilogy kind of clunked for me. But, like, other than that, I think it's been an incredibly <coughs> consistent series of the show in a way that I don't think we've seen. Well, no, I guess we did see it before. But, like, it, it's as much as I like Clara, it's nice to have a break from the baggage of Cl- Clara, if you get what I mean. Absolutely. <laughs> It's, it's, and I, I think, I think Bill is able to provide a more interesting perspective on a lot of these issues than Clara ever was. And I think that's, that's something that's really to the show's benefit at this point. Um, and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm forever, I will, I, I, even when I wasn't as big a fan of Bill as I am today, um, I still had this uh, thought, and I still think that's the case of, like, I still now and forever wish that Bill got more than one season. I think it's criminal that she only got the one. Yes. Even in yeah, our... Yeah, I mean... Go ahead. Yeah, I think re-watching this. I mean, we, we fig- I think we, we'd started to... to like Bill a lot in the last couple of years, even though we hadn't rewatched, we were just sort of reassessing our memories, but sort of coming back to it and really rewatching it. I'm definitely like, damn, it kind of sucks. She only got one season. Cause she's like good. Yeah. But the, you know, the thing is she doesn't get that much development in this season because it's only one season and there's not much going on in terms of her own character arc. She's just sort of getting the introduction run. Um, and it's a shame that we didn't get like a second season with her to sort of give her more of an arc. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Definitely. I remember at this point, back when the series was airing, <coughs> even as 
as people who sort of fell into the, I guess you could say, classical liberal pit of thinking for a hot minute and a half. So, so you in 2016 and 17? Yes, me specifically, yes, in 2016 and 2017. <laughs> it's it's cringe, okay? It's cringe and it's bad. I remember that arc. That was a weird, that was a weird time for all it, of it, us, to be it fair. Was, but like... It was a weird time for all of us. So, but anyways... Even at that shallow point in in my time of thinking, Bill had won me over. This yeah. this episode has so many good interactions that aren't top tier. The side characters are good. The the CGI is like you can tell they sort oh, of yeah. ran out a bit, but it's like it's No, you can tell they ran out. It was really <laughs> funny. But it's still it's still at a point where even as early as like 2005 <clears throat> you can there's that camp and charm to it so yeah. Yeah. even if the uh the fucking the titular eaters of light remind me of that fucking i actually i don't know how hooked in you are to like sonic twitter I am because I'm interested in the games and because I follow Elise on Twitter, but I don't know how hooked in you guys are. But there's a fucking screenshot from the most recent Sonic game that has just like a like dead on perspective of a squid like uh, creature with the title squid beneath it. And I couldn't not I couldn't not think of that every time I saw the titular eaters of light and it made me laugh. That's a good squid meme. games. <laughs> Oh, indeed. The uh, this is a random factoid coming out of the depths of hell at me, but the main, I believe it's the main Roman guy, is in Star Wars: The Force Awakens. So th yeah, I saw his fate. I don't, I don't think he's familiar because of Force Awakens. But I kept looking at this guy and being like, he looks so familiar. And I think some of it is because he looks like kind of like Quentin Tarantino. That that is true. He's he's the guy who's like, tell that to Kanja Club like that in that whole stupid sequence. With yeah, the I don't. Rolly I don't. Alien. Ball. I don't remember. I don't. I don't remember who's like. I don't remember. Like I I know what line you're talking about, but I couldn't can't put a face to that. So it's I that think face. for me it's more the fact that he looks like Quentin Tarantino. It, that is that is that is that is very very valid. So that just but that makes two off the top of my head <laughs> actors in Doctor Who that have been in the Force Awakens. So that guy and Tozen Cole, aka Ryan, is also in the Force Awakens. Ryan was in Force Awakens. He, <laughs> What? I suppose I'll talk about this now since we're probably not doing. We're not. Yeah, yeah. Since why? Why would we? Ryan didn't bother to show up for to Power of the Doctor. Why would we bother to show up for Ryan's episodes? So true. So he is. Ryan's actor plays one of the X-wing pilots that maybe gets like two or three seconds of screen time when they make that oh, assault okay. on star killer base he has a beard he looks very different and you don't get a lot of screen time with him so most people i would assume do not know that but yes there are two two actors of doctor who at least that have made it into the force awakens 
Let's go Doctor Who alumni. Doctor Who alumni in a passable doc a passable Star Wars movie. Why not more it's Doctor fine. Who alumni in a clocky do- in a clocky Star Wars movie? Did you consider that? What would be a clocky Star Wars movie? Rogue One. Fair enough. Which hmm. uh, which a Doctor Who actress is also in Rogue One, so that's appropriate. What would a clocky Doctor Who movie be? Exactly. I'm gonna go ahead and say Phantom Menace is the clockiest Star Wars movie. <laughs> You're. Are you saying this because Obi Wan Kenobi gives off trans mask vibes? No, there's just sort of a a vibe to it, you know. No. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. I'll take your word for it. Um, anyways. <laughs> what's your what's your opinion? What is your guys' opinion on the fucking the crow thing? Because half of me is like, oh, that's a pretty that's that that feels like a pretty interesting like device that I think adds a little bit of wonder to the narrative. And part of me was literally staring at the screen when they did the reveal for that yelling, fuck you. I'm of two minds. Actually, seven when you get down into it. But that's another topic. But the... It feels, knowing the context of this being a classic writer, this feels more that, if you know what I mean. And that (laughs) is, and I don't mind that, because are crows a recognizable bird? Sure. But also... It feels feels almost like kind of Neil Gaiman-y. Yes. In some ways. It yeah. feels like something from American Gods. Yes. I will say, I wonder if they decided the girl's name and then decided the crow thing, because it's not really, like, super integrated with the episode, and it could reasonably be like, hey, this girl's name kind of sounds like a crow sound. What if we did something with that? Or if it was the other way around, and they chose yeah, her know. name because they were like, what if crows are saying a fucking fourth century celtic name yeah i i enjoy as well that there are many times throughout this show and it's even (laughs) lampshaded i forget by what character at some point that i think it's one of the osgoods that the doctor will say nonsense (laughs) in a situation to distract from how horrible or how fucked a situation might be and it's just nice that one time in a situation where you could clearly say that's not true, he's just being silly, that it is actually true. Yeah. So there's there's a neat payoff there if if you care about that sort of thing. So my opinion is, at best, I think it's cute, and at worst, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. You know what I? You know what I? I the, was realized at the end of the episode that I was very surprised by 
there is like at no point there is like no acknowledgement of the fact that this doctor is scottish despite the fact that we are in scotland well he kind of he hints at it because he's like it's scotland it's supposed to be damp oh that's true <laughs> right but there's no point where it like matters with regard to like the celts I wonder when they filmed this, like, production-wise. Uh, I think they do tend to film fairly linearly. So, like, the first episode isn't necessarily the first episode aired, but it's usually within, like, the first few. Um, So I'd imagine this was closer to the end of production. Uh, but I wouldn't know for sure. Hmm. Production order. So this was after Oxygen and before Extremis. Huh. Weird. Okay, that's way more out of order which is, than I was expecting. Which is an interesting choice. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I suppose... If they were doing the heavy episodes where Nardole bill and the doctor were really a unit in some way i could see that making that sense, sense with yeah. scheduling and such yeah that's true so i feel that yeah um i will say uh one kind of weird thing that i noticed and maybe 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 uh you guys didn't noticed that as much or didn't well i mean i didn't see it as a problem but it was like a huh that's weird of like he kind of snaps back to like series eight era for a bit in this he it feels does. like he gets it's weird really page like i noticed like his speech at the his speeches near the end were all like incredibly patronizing in a way that was like yeah damn you're being kind of harsh here <laughs> yeah and like I, I don't know maybe maybe it's because the reveal is is that he's showing off for Missy so uh he's trying to not leave it for like a point where she's like oh wow you just let them like die wow great job dude but like it it feels we it feels a little bit like I think the episode still works and it's still in line with capaldi if you consider his entire tenure but it does feel a little bit out of place for this season yeah not complete character assassination but a little o o c yeah um Also, it was really, it was really funny uh, when I realized that they never, they that this epi like it's really funny watching this episode and realizing, oh, yeah, they never had the uh, TARDIS translation circuit conversation with Bill. That just never happened. Yeah, I realized that too, and she was Bill like, just I just fucking figure it out. I love her realization. Oh, that's why everyone in space speaks English. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, that just hadn't even occurred to her until she met Romans, and then she was like, 
oh, well, Romans wouldn't speak English, obviously. Aliens would, but Romans wouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, uh, so I don't, like, entirely know, because, you know, it's it's been stated before that the showrunner usually does some decent amount of revision work on episodes usually um and they kind of serve as both an executive producer and script (laughs) editor um but like so we know that romans are like one of moffat's hyper fixations and even though this episode doesn't have a writing credit from moffat on it i'm sitting here looking at it like Hmm. <laughs> like one one last crack at Moffat's Roman hyperfixation before we move on. Quite possible, yes. In which case, fair enough, man. Um <clears throat> Also, again, like, I feel it's, it's, I hate to keep, like, beating a dead horse at this point, especially because the dead horse has, like, officially passed. It's done. But, like, every time in this series that there is, like, a moment that, like, Twelve and Missy, like, actually have a talk, um... I really, really feel like it, it's really noticeable, like, the difference in quality and execution between when, whenever Chibnall enters, okay, it's time to talk mode. Because just this, this scene, like, we've, we've had a series, a string of fantastic end of episode messy scenes over the back half of this season. And I think this one might be the strongest. I really like Missy in this episode. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I I was a... Okay, so her arc in this season is kind of weird because it's so back compressed. And it... Yes. Because she doesn't genuinely get introduced until halfway through the season. And that she has a whole arc before the end is kind of weird. But... I don't know. I feel like they made it work because, like, so far I haven't like gone to an episode and been like, "This feels unnatural for her." It's always been like, "Okay, I can see that." So I think yeah. that they pulled that off is incredibly impressive because really it's like six episodes where she gets like a few minutes in each up until the last two parter. I also think a decent amount of it is just how well the two are able to sell it. Like, I think if they weren't, then it would have fallen apart. But the fact of the matter is, is that they are incredibly good at selling it. Yes. Um, Capaldi has like, been lucky in the chemistry for his companions. Twelve and Clara worked so well. Twelve and Bill is electric. It's another tier with Twelve and Missy. Albeit, it doesn't start out... like They're... Their Series 8 interaction is great. Their Series 9 interactions are pretty damn good. But the bar is raised here. 
And this is no fault, I do not believe, of Sasha Dewan. However, it is simply... I mean, especially... Yeah, I was going to say, especially because he's probably the best part of Power of the Doctor. Indeed, yes. It's no fault of his own. It's just when the previous Doctor master dynamic is so i'm gonna repeat a word but electric it's you can feel the talent on screen and the history and with with 13 and and dewan's master that same energy very rarely shows up but yeah. for the majority, like I'm just thinking, even even in a even in a friendly, like no stakes conversation, like danger, active danger, at the end of this episode, there is more weight and more tension in yeah. twelve and Missy's conversation than there is for the entire fucking time where the master has 13 captive and is just expositing timeless child bullshit yeah. at her yeah and and i mean i mean it's 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 also it's just like it's also just unfair to whoever has to come next because i think i think sasha doesn't ama- did an amazing job but even then i think uh however amazing a job in the world it was having it come after this was never going to feel like anything but a step back unless you continued with the arc that you set up here which isn't really what happened no not at all <laughs> uh so like he's he's very good at being like catty evil doctor um that was you know that was really good and everything um but at the same time, as entertaining as it is uh, to see him, like, walk into a room and be like, yeah, Lamau, your dad sucks and, and is dead to fucking uh, Kate Lethbridge-Stewart, um, it's never going to hit quite the same way because it requires abandoning the emotional arc that was done so well here. Um... So, and I mean, I can't say, I can't really say, like, oh, they just should never have done it, because, like, or, I mean, that they should never have brought the Master back, because, like, in the end, um, like, in the end, um, the, uh, the master was always going to come back. There was no way that the master was never going to come back. And it would be silly to suggest that, but that doesn't mean that it's not going to feel like a step back. Yeah. I I do wish there had been a way they could have, I don't know, kept something there. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, anyways, uh, 
I think I feel like that's that's about it for for me. I I mean like it's 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 another it's another one of those episodes where uh and I think this has been as as much as I enjoy series 10 this has kind of been a constant where it's like this has all been really good uh but I haven't had as much to say about it as I have with other things uh but it is still incredibly solid But yeah so that's that's about all I I have to say about this episode I'll let you guys say your part before we move on to ratings yes I suppose I will give this part of the spiel here why not it's coming up on the finale I think it's very very easy to say that even though this doesn't touch the highs of series four which if i'm correctly remembering it's either series four or one that a lot of people have as their as their number one pick it's not as good as those because those series all have incredible highs but if you were to ask me what I think an ideal, not super special, not super event, just an ideal business as usual Doctor Who series, I would probably point to this one. And this episode is another good marker for that assessment. It's... You could argue a throwaway episode deals with an enemy of the week. Um, a very common writing trope in sci-fi. You see it a lot in Star Trek. So not a very special enemy. There are good side characters that don't have the most depth, but it's there and they interact with the main cast well. There is a good background and narrative and theming to it all, but it's doesn't particularly take the center stage that it could i suppose and there's some silly stuff with the crows and some genuine like uplifting genre uplifting scenes with the doctor and missy it's been really cool to remember this series again yeah Yeah, I mean... Ready for ratings? <clears throat> oh. oh, are we going to ratings now? Yeah. No, no. if you have if you have a piece to say before ratings, go ahead. No, 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 no. I, I thought we were doing ratings. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. I, I mean, I was just going to say that, like, yeah, no, it's... It's, it's, in, it's in some ways bittersweet uh, knowing kind of that we're coming to the end of, like, the period when the show was good uninterrupted. Um, I'm hoping that we'll get a resurgence uh, with RTD back. Um, and I'm hoping that that manages to continue after he leaves uh, eventually. Uh, but 
Um, yeah, no, it's just it's it's an A. I don't have much to say about it, but it's an A. It's it's just this this. It really feels like we're coming to the end of like when Doctor Who, like I don't know. People say people say that Doctor Who kind of dipped in ratings and in views during the Capaldi era, and to some extent, I think that's true. But I still think that when the Capaldi era ended, like aside from like the initial rush when she was first announced and for, I I don't know, the first few episodes of her first season, it kind of felt like Doctor Who just kind of disappeared and just like kind of kept trudging on for five years out of obligation and not out of a desire to do anything. Um, but while that's sad, this episode is great. Uh, it's an A. I may have accidentally done most of my spiel before the rating, so everything I said there, just assume that my words are brilliant enough to hear again. And we've done that, we're walking, we're walking. Uh, yes, absolutely... It doesn't even really feel like if if I didn't know that the finale was after this, I wouldn't even necessarily feel a build up, <clears throat> aside from the emotional one with Twelve and Missy. Um, everything <clears throat> now, I, <clears throat> now I feel like I'm dying. Um, I have COVID. In case anybody couldn't tell, I'm getting through it. Ooh. Yes, everything is firing on quality cylinders. It's not the most amazing, mind-blowing stuff. It's really well-constructed, however, for what it is. Just like the majority of this series, again, it is, I would say, the modern example of what a business-as-usual Doctor Who series should look like. Um, fantastic. Ironically, it's a fantastic point to jump in for a reboot. It's just the preceding series that kind of fuck you over in that regard. So, that's unfortunate. This episode is in... I forget what Aurora does. It's an A. Fuck you. Yeah, it was, I think it's also let, uh, letters. It's an A. <clears throat> Um, yeah, I think this is just a really good sort of transitionary episode into the end. I, I agree with Lucifer that there isn't really this sense of a buildup, which I do think works with the nature of the finale, which is sort of like, oops, I stuck my dick in a bear trap and now things are bad. Um, yeah, so I think it works that there's just sort of like the messy doctor stuff that builds up to that. Um, as for this episode, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like it's a, the, the, the monster of the week itself isn't compelling, but it doesn't really need to be. It, it can just work as a sort of faceless enemy to tell this different story sort of a, a, about, I don't know, like, what what is this story about? It's about empire and power and memory, I guess. Yeah. Which is interesting. I think we... I can't think of another episode that really takes a similar spin on this sort of thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think all around it, it's pretty good. I would give it like an 8.5 out of 10. 
All right. Um, next week, it's time. We're going to be talking about uh, the two-part finale, World of Nothing Time and The Doctor Falls. Um, until then, uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at B2TardisPod. Um, I'm Jeff. You can follow me on Twitter at WheatleyDL. I am not only a femboy demon, but also a homosexual. You can follow us on Twitter at Ahoraborealis. Uh, I'm Abby, and you can find me on Twitter at Himajoshi Chaser. And we will see you all next week. Bye.